Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Week, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, writer and the founder of Women of the Week. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Week and Girl Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into the Girl Get a Real Job podcast. Today, we are going to talk about money with a guest whose work I've been following for a long while. Selena Flavius is the founder of financial coaching company Black Girl Finance. She also hosts a weekly podcast of the same name and is the author of the book Black Girl Finance, Let's Talk Money and a creator of the Black Girl Finance Festival. Welcome, Selena. So nice to see you. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to see you as well. Yeah, so we connected a year ago. I just had to check when the episode <laughs> was published on your podcast, and that was yes. February 2021. It, to be honest, it seems so long time ago, not a year ago. It's like a different lifetime. This whole year has just flown by, hasn't it? Or last year and the well, the last two years, I'd say, have <laughs> just flown uh, by. <laughs> absolutely. It's it's kind of crazy. Well, yeah, how time works. Um, but for the listeners who are not familiar with your work, could you break down a little bit of what does financial coaching mean? And yeah. Yeah, when do people need help from a financial coach? Let's say. Yeah, so um, so like Sarah said, I'm Selena. Um, I created a company called Black Girl Finance, and initially it started off as a place for women to connect and talk about all things money. Um, my background is that I'm from a kind of Black Caribbean household. My parents came to the UK when they were both teenagers and I grew up in an environment that didn't really talk about money. So when I decided to create the platform um, and then subsequently move into financial coaching, I initially started by just creating a safe space for us to talk about money in an unapologetic way. And that's really, really important um, as well, because, you know, as women, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of silence around money. I think it's it, it's quite normal for men to talk about money, and and you know, you know, we we have pictures of them on the golf course, you know, doing their business deals, and it's not the same. There's not the same kind of spaces for women to do that. So, like I said, I wanted to create um, that safe space, and it morphed into doing financial coaching because. You know, it's great to have a, a place where we can just talk, but sometimes we do need a bit of a roadmap um, to to follow because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And that's not just um, in the case of money. It could be in the case of our career, kind of what to do next. It could be uh, in the case of um, anything, really. So, um, you know, financial coaching is providing guidance. It's not providing advice, which is different to if you speak to perhaps a financial um, advisor or financial planner, they can tell you very specifically kind of what products uh, to use, or some of them can. Um, Some of them give just more general advice. So we're we're very, very different in that we provide guidance. We do it, um, you know, over Zoom now because of of COVID, we've transitioned to doing it over Zoom. But it is about, you know, if someone has a financial goal that they're unsure about how to get from, you know, point A to B, we give them the guidance. We, we you know, we provide the tools. We kind of sit as a gap um, 
there is a huge advice gap, I should say, in the UK and globally. And we sit very nicely in that space because unfortunately, access to financial advice is not available to everyone due to um, you know uh, the cost. Uh, you know because it needs to be worthwhile for a financial advisor to speak to someone, and unfortunately, you know it means that the access is not there for those on lower incomes. And we sit very nicely in that space. We fill that gap, and we can um, you know provide guidance about what to do next. Amazing! Thank you so much for sharing that. And what's your background? And what was the kind of initial reaction, maybe from your peers or friends, family, when you when you said that, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do next." <laughs> it's really quite funny because I say I'd say the first person that I, I mean, I had the idea ruminating for for a long time, um, and I remember saying to a colleague of mine. Um, when we were at work, I remember saying to him, I mean, he was very much into like stocks and shares and investing. And I was more or less just getting into it myself. And I do remember saying to him that I'd really want to create a platform where I can help women to to do that, to kind of manage their finances. Um, so that kind of planted the seed. And then from that kind of seed being planted to, to many years later, when I actually felt in a better position with my finances, to be able to talk about it, to feel confident and comfortable to have conversations about money um, with those around me. Um, so your question, what's my background? So my background is in sales and marketing for a, te- uh, for a technology company. Um, I also started doing some studying. So I did some studying with the um, Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't want to wait till I was perfect to be able to do this. So I did kind of launch Black Girl Finance Um like I say, initially has that safe space and it's slowly morphed into providing financial coaching. And we also now provide financial training, uh, financial coach training as well. So anyone listening that is interested in, you know, um, providing help and support to women when it comes to their money and interested in becoming a finance coach, we can do that now as well. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all happened very organically. Yeah. Some studying, some just going for it, some some kind of guts and gusto. And um, yeah, so we're here. Here we are today, three um, years later. <laughs> amazing. That's that's incredible to hear. And I guess the reason why I also asked that question is because, as, as you said in the introduction, is that um, we don't have that many places. We're not used to talk about money. And I think... Well, that applies probably globally everywhere. I know I'm from Finland. That definitely isn't a topic of conversation that we would have over coffee or with our yeah. friends and family necessarily. And I think the same applies to the UK. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, the, the initial reactions and feedback was very positive to yes. you launching um, Black Girl Finance. Amazing. Um, so you've got quite many different hats and and accomplishments that you've you've gained within a quite short period of time since you launched Black Girl Finance. You have published a book, been featured in The Guardian, BBC Women's Hour, and have been one of the headline speakers at the Women of the World Festival, which is fantastic. Yes. You've also won uh, the Online Financial Influencer of the Year title, and it was this year that you gained it. It was last year. It was 2021. So okay. I'm sure there's a new winner this year. <laughs> I don't Amazing. know who, they, who it is because um, I couldn't attend the award ceremony unfortunately Ooh. but um yeah it was for Congrat- 2021 <laughs> congratulations again that's thank you incredible achievement so when it comes to finances which topic are you most passionate about and and why 
Oh, um, so anything that's going to uh, provide financial resilience, for me, that's the most important thing because that's where we need to begin and start. So um, when I do financial coaching, I work through a framework and it's all about just making sure that my clients are financially resilient, um, first of all, so that we can then go on and kind of conquer whatever, you know, lofty goals we have in mind that we want to conquer. So, um, yeah, so it starts off uh, with, you know, we talk about all different finance subjects, particularly savings, you know, having an emergency fund put aside, which is really important for those who are in a creative space as well. If income is kind of fluctuating, uh, you need to make sure that actually um, during a season of where whereby kind of income is low, lower, you have got some money to see you through to still pay your bills, to still contribute into your pension, to still, you know, um, you know, hit those goals that you set for yourself. So we talk about savings and, and you know, making sure you've got an emergency fund. Uh, we talk about debt. Debt can be a very emotive topic. Um, so we make sure that we talk about it. How do you feel about it? If you are in debt, where do you go for support? Um, we talk about that as well. We talk about planning for the future because, yeah, we are creatives, but we need mm. to plan for the future. Also, mm. we may be entrepreneurs ourselves, but we need to plan for the future also. So we talk about pensions and, and doing that planning um, for the future. And then we also talk about goals. What financial goals, you know, where do you see yourself in the next five five years, 10 years, 20 years, um, you know, are we going to be uh, living in a nice house in Barbados somewhere? Um, how do we make that happen? So we do talk about those kind of long-term financial goals as well as the financial resilience piece. But for me, most important thing is just making sure that my clients are financially resilient um, because when you're financially resilient, you can then go off and do anything you want. You have the options, you have the opportunity to, you have the money to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, financial resilience is, is key. Mm, that's that's a lovely word financial resilience <clears throat> to be honest i haven't come across that one before and i think you know it like you said really puts our heads into thinking something very long term and sustainable yes. and as artists creatives entrepreneurs i mean these are the things because we often do things that we're so passionate about we don't necessarily have the heart or the mindset to ask necessarily the kind of um compensation that we deserve yes yeah and I think resilience when you put that into resilience in the context of resilience I think any I mean immediately something like shifts in my head yeah like, mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the only reason why I'm here talking to you today and, and why I've had the book out and created mm. the platform, because I became more financially resilient than I was in my early 20s, which is right. which is the norm for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I've, I had the financial security and the backing to be able to to do these creative endeavours um, in comparison to to feeling like I just needed to continue to work, to work, to work, to pay bills um so yeah so I mean I talk about it from a place of really living it and have an experience of it the kind of going from a place of kind of a lack of financial resilience um to one where you know a bit more financially stable and so was able to take a bit more risk a few more risks you know mm -hmm. that's amazing could you break that down at all um in terms of I guess, goals and milestones and maybe even desires or wishes or dreams. Is that yeah. something that we 
think about when we talk about finances? Absolutely, yes. Um, and it's something that I cover in the Black Girl Finance book. And, um, you know, I, I, I go from the very beginning of my journey. So, I, I mean, I actually talk about some of my my mum, really, in the book, you know, her journey <laughs> with finances. Um, and then also my own journey of finances. And, um, I mean, it, 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 I went on a journey, a process of initially getting out of debt, you know, uh, so I, um, like I say, I grew up in this background where money conversations just didn't really happen. It was almost as if you were rude to bring it up. And I re- recount in the book the fact that when I was eight, I was sat at the dining room table with my my mom, and I'm like, "How much do you earn, mom?" And she she kind of you know gave me this look as if, "Don't you dare ask me that question again." Um, and I went off to university and got into that was probably my first experience of getting into debt, having um, you know just kind of student loan and credit cards and things like that um I had a a son as well so I was a a mum and um yeah just you know my I say from you know my you know all the way up to my 30s I was pretty much just kind of working working very hard but not really thinking about finances you know I was okay as long as you know my son was fed um, and he also had a roof over his head. Those were the important things, which is which is normal and natural. But anything beyond that, you know, preparing for the future, do I have a pension, um, paying off debt. So, I mean, it's really easy to be in this cycle of debt. So for me, what that looked like was I had, you know, massive overdraft, which had increased, increased, increased over the years, you know, always applying eventually to 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 have more money available to me. But there was never a plan in place to, to pay off the debt. Um, and I mean, what that actually meant was that, you know, I couldn't really have the luxury to think about, OK, you know, goals and dreams. What would I like to do instead if I wasn't having to, you know, kind of be on this kind of treadmill of constantly, you know, the, the cycle of payday to payday. Um, and there, were, there came a moment where I actually, you know, I was struggling with debt and it became a bit too much. So I had to kind of face my fears and my demons and I had to speak to um, the, the creditor, the person that I owed money to um, and actually work out a payment plan and actually look at my numbers, you know. So once I took, you know, took the time to stop and look at my numbers and to your question about kind of mindset um, around that. Mm. Um, I don't think you asked a specific question about around mindset, but the question you did ask, it made me think about mindset. Mm. And I talk about mindset in the book as well. Um, just feeling like there were kind of, there were other kind of options available to me other than the treadmill, other than, you know, the payday to payday cycle. You know, um, I wanted to invest. Uh, I wanted to learn how to invest and start investing. And I wanted to be able to have money so that I could travel, you know, you know, take my son away uh, and travel. Um and, and other things as well. I, I wanted to be able to have money to do other things as well. And um, it, it took a, it, there was a period of time whereby I had to really kind of stop and um, evaluate what was going on financially to me. So I know you asked about what does it look like? So it's about mindset, believing that you can do these kind of things and and, and, and go for it. Um and that includes kind of managing money. So believing that you are good at money rather than telling yourself that you're rubbish with money. Um, number one, believing that it's a priority as well. So prioritizing it. And, and to your um, point before about, you know, asking for what you you deserve, that's part of it. You know, believing that you're worthy, um, your work um, is worthy of this amount, you know, to, to, to receive back in exchange for your, your talents, your skills and experience. 
um, is, is, a, is a lesson that I had to learn. Um, and then actually just sitting down and doing the numbers, working out the numbers, okay, um, you know, am I managing right now? Uh, what can I do better? Um, and for me, it was actually sitting down and actually tackling the debt. And that was the, the kind of freedom. Once I'd done that, got the weight lifted off me from having that conversation with my creditors, I was able to think, okay, well, what else can I do now? Um, and it, and, and it, it allowed me to then start, you know, working out my budget and working out amount that I could save each month to start building towards those other goals. Um, and that's what allowed me to then launch the platform. You know, I, I went to night school, um, I did evening classes to learn about, you know, website development, um, to be able to create the platform, the, the website um, to build it. Um, and then to launch and then to launch. Uh, so, yeah, so it all it, it all came full circle. Um, and I know that I've just went on quite a bit. So but I hope that gives you a bit of a roadmap. <laughs> Absolutely. One hundred percent and more. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> yeah, I appreciate your generous, um, your generous answer to the question. And I love so many things what you just just said in terms of mindset. And I think this kind of taps into my next question as well. And the things that I've. Kind of the, the initial reasons as for me to, to, to start this podcast platform as well, to kind of normalize conversations around money. I'm no expert at all, but I feel that we need to have those conversations in order to, to start, like I said, um, understanding and reviewing our work, creating yes. work specifically differently so that we can start talking about the different pricing points and the things that were not taught to us at school for some yes. reason. Yes. <laughs> and I have two masters of arts degrees, <clears throat> which are quite expensive as well, especially in the UK. Uh-huh. And for some reason, there is never a single mention about how to do your finances, taxes, even applying for arts grants after you graduate. Mm-hmm. And it just seems this very blind spot that that people are even afraid to to face yes. and and, uh, and to start talking about. And I'm not exactly even what why is it so loaded topic yeah. amongst artists and, and beyond. And, and I've been looking at some data. I wrote an article for a platform called Creative Land Trust and the kind of current, well, that was written in kind of post-pandemic, but I talk yeah. about artists, um, well, the affordable workspaces and the need for us to live also in cities such as London and what would happen if artists would disappear uh, in creative cities like London. And and I found some of these statistics. um, So based on the livelihood of artists report, I think this was published in 2016, the average earnings of visual artists per year reached just above 16K, which is like a staggering amount of money. I mean, um, even, even in the freelance industry, women make 44 pounds less per day than their male counterparts and for people of color and from black backgrounds the gap is even wider so yeah there is a lot there (laughs) yeah absolutely and I think it's just you know we have to talk about it I think one of the things that um 
um, I did when I wrote the Black Girl Finance book was actually put in there, the statistics. And I put them in there in the very first few chapters because I think a lot of people, we go through life and we, we're not aware. We just think that everything's equal because maybe that's what, you know, is, is, is suggested to us. But no, actually, if you look at the statistics, um, you know, there are gaps and, and some quite significant gaps, like you mentioned. You know, why should, you know, a visual artist um, or, you know, a female um you know, get paid, you know, 42 pence less. Is it 42 pence or was it 42? 44 pounds less per day. 44 pounds less per day, you know, That's if you like, add that up over a month. Um, yeah. It's a significant amount. And um, it's a significant amount that's not going into pensions to prepare for the future. It's not going into, you know, current goals that we that we have right now. Um, so it's really, really important that we talk about the statistics so that people are aware um, and so that they do can do their research and negotiate, you know, negotiate, you know, put their, their pricing forward and do it unapologetically. Um, and it's not even from a place, I mean, it should be from a place of that's what you you believe you want and, and you deserve. But equally, even if you have to do it from a place of, you know, not being shortchanged, um, that's absolutely fine. But um, I think sometimes we need to really, really talk about this. So I talk about, you know, the gender pay gap. Uh, in the book. And I also talk about the, um, you know, uh, the ethnicity pay gaps yeah. that exist. And, you know, if you're a, you know, a person from a kind of black background um, in the visual, visual arts, then, you know, you have to look at how that kind of intersects, because in every single statistic that I do see when it comes to, to uh, pay, you know, it is people from, you know, uh, kind of black uh, backgrounds, uh, diverse backgrounds that are paid even less than, mm-hmm. than, than women. Um, so it's really important to talk about it and highlight it. And that, yeah. that, that's what I do in the Black Girl Finance book. And I do it from a place of, okay, be aware of this, now advocate for yourself. It's not just, okay, let's do it. It's not just doing it from a place of, um, you know, this is it and that's it. We just accept it. It's about kind of advocating and being aware and just making sure you're doing simple things like doing doing your research, speaking to your colleagues, you know, whether male or, you know, perhaps um, white who are in this space and, and just finding, OK, how much are you you charging for for this? Right. Um, and, and, and then you can negotiate from a, a bit, bit more of an empowered place. Um and again, that gives you the money to then <laughs> focus on, you know, build your, your creative practice even more. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really important to talk about these mm-hmm. things. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a social issue and, yes. and an issue of injustice, as you just said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you, I mean, you mentioned the ethnicity gap, and I think that's something that so... Often we talk about just the gender pay gap and we are quite probably familiar with that term. What does it mean, the ethnicity pay gap? Yeah, so the um, ethnicity pay gap refers to, um, I mean, in the UK in particular, it looks at, um, I'm trying to think specifically what it, what mm. it measures. So it measures pay. Mm. Um, I think it's like either the mean or the medium pay between those from you know uh, kind of white British uh, workers versus I mean it's how it's measured in the UK it's it's not perfect to be honest but it's you know taking this one set of groups so white British workers and and then comparing it to the other you know kind of 
every other um you know a kind of ethnic uh, demographic um and i think there's about 16 different ones you know black um you know black caribbean black african uh, kind of mixed um and so on and so forth uh, pakistani um uh, indian uh, backgrounds etc but it, it it measures kind of pay against you know that one common um um marker yeah. and unfortunately yes uh in the uk we see that amongst um mm. you know the various groups uh that people from uh black asian minority ethnic backgrounds mm. are underpaid in comparison to to kind of white british workers and same holds true for uh kind of when we look at um male and women as well so it's important to talk about it definitely thank thanks for the explanation and breaking it down that's very helpful to start understanding the kind of meaning of the behind the words and, and terms as well um so we talked about the kind of you know what can financial coaching maybe look like for a creative person or an entrepreneur a little bit but could you give us some more tips perhaps if you've never really had any any space where you're talking about these kind of things before um and I can also relate to your experience um talking about or asking your mother how much does she earn and I had this conversation with my sister a while back when we realized like we've we have no idea how much our parents earn. We're like, yeah, yeah definitely more. Mom, probably not that much. But that was like, as adults, that was our understanding. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is quite, yeah, I think telling in a way. But anyway, going back to the question, I was just wondering if, yeah, like um, if you've got some tips to give to creative practitioners, artists, entrepreneurs, how to start getting their finances in order, where to even start from. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if I was taking you for a coaching session with me, <laughs> initially it would be about just finding out a bit about you, you know, what do you want to get from the session, etc. Um, talking very open and honestly about income. And mm. I always say, you know, it's a safe, confidential space. Right. Um, you know, you can talk about anything that you want and the conversation stays within, you know, the, kind of us and, and our um uh, kind of practice mm. but it, it is about just looking at like I say this I mean we start off with the financial resilience piece so it is looking at okay savings the typical uh, kind of personal finance uh, kind of maxim for savings is to make sure that you've got three to six months worth of uh, kind of your outgoing expenses saved up for to deal with an emergency and I think you know just before COVID it was nice to call it like a luxury fund and you know you know give it a nice really you know you know sexy name but as we've gone through this pandemic and we are currently still recording this in a you know a huge cost of living crisis where you know food costs are going up petrol prices you know uh, inflation is, is skyrocketing and we're not out of the woods yet um in terms of uh, kind of the financial situation uh, within the UK so it's important just to have an emergency fund <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's it back to just what it is it's it's for um a time whereby, you know, something comes up and it's going to cost you, you know, £800, £1,000 to to deal with. Can Can you deal with that? If not, it may be the place to start. So look at your savings. Are you currently in debt? Um, you know, if you are, 
number one, how are you feeling about it? Are you managing? Are you repaying it okay? Do you feel okay? If you're kind of, you know, really stressed about it, do seek some help and support. There are loads of organizations out there, such as, you know, Step Change, Citizens Advice Bureau in the UK. Uh, I appreciate that your audience might be, you know, a bit more international, but whatever uh, kind of debt charity help and support is available to you do give them a call also speak to your creditors as well you know it, it's better to deal with these things as difficult as it is than you know spend the next few months um kind of ignoring it and, and trying to forget about it because that way you know you just end up you know being charged more interest etc uh you know more pressure so do as much as difficult as it is do um you know have a have a conversation about it um even if it's with a kind of a, a charity an organization that can help um, next is, are you prepared for the future? Do you have some pensions? And, you know, as entrepreneurs and, and creatives, you know, you may not have a, you know, you know, a, a employed, you may not have a, like a, you know, be employed in the same way as um, those who work a typical nine to five. But at the same time, you can set up a pension yourself. So do look into it. There are loads of platforms, um, you know, that can help and, and lots of um, guidance there around pensions because that's just planning for the future. Um, so do set that up if you can. Um, I'd say those are the kind of free, free key things. And like, mm-hmm. I, like I mentioned, for me, it's all about building up that financial resilience. Once you've got mm-hmm. those those baselines in place, you can then go on. You know, and it's a similar thing you might transfer to your similar practices that you might transfer to your business. In fact, you know, you need to make sure that you've got some money put aside to handle the costs of, of your running your business, you know, a bit of runway, a bit of, you know, money to, 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 to manage and handle mm-hmm. things. If you have an acquired period, um, you, yeah, and, and the same, you must have something put aside, for, you mm-hmm. know, for the future, if you can, you know, investing in your business to, to invest, to do stuff with your business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just making sure you're you're handling any business debts as well, you know, taxes that we owe <laughs> if you are uh, kind of a limited company or even if you're self-employed, you know, we, we have to pay tax. And so, yeah, having those practices in place, I think, will help you um, uh, in your business finance as well because yeah. it's needed. Absolutely. Um, I watched a video where where you talked about there was another financial uh, coach or an advisor with you in the talk, but you talked about paying yourself first. Oh, yes. yes. Can you explain a little bit more about that concept and what does it mean? Absolutely. So it's really, really important. And I think this concept may even be biblical. I mean, I mean, I know not everyone, you know, kind of believes in God, but I think, you know, it is a kind of biblical concept. It is, you know, in books such as what is that book called? If it comes to me, I will, I will, I will tell you what the book is called. But um, Yeah, there is a book that talks about this concept. And it is just about, I mean, and going back to your original question Mm. about kind of what was the kind of roadmap? Yeah, it was it was an um, emotional shift as well, mm. you know, shifting from feeling like I'm going to work and I'm going to work. And I'm just going to work to pay bills. You know, obviously you go to work, you want to earn money. You, you need to pay bills. We need to pay for the roof over our head, the food that we eat, you know, the transport to and from work, etc. But beyond that, you know, I mean, it was it was shifting my thinking to say that actually I work so hard I deserve some of it to hold some of this money back for myself um just just for my own endeavors you know not so that I'm just paying bills for everybody else and I guess we live in a very consumerist you know society it's easy to to get into that 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 mindset when you are working that kind of your work is just so that you can you know pay 
rent, mortgage and things like that, but nothing else. So it was a real shift and I had to start paying myself first and paying myself on payday um, as well, because when I um, you know, was having this kind of transition and um, I was working for somebody else and I used to, you know, be in the habit of trying to save what was left over after a month. Mm. And I had to kind of shift that so that, you know, whenever I, um, you know, got, you know, was paid, that as well as paying my bills, and I'm the type of person that pays everything on the first day that I get paid, it's easier for me. I don't have to think about it, worry about it. But later on during the month, I would then, you know, just immediately transfer money into my savings and do that at the start of every month, um, and that helps me to build up the habit to, to, to save rather than doing it, you know, afterwards. Because at the end of the month, there's always something that you want to buy, perhaps that you've put off, um, you know, mid-month um, because previously, you know, I would be running out of money. But um, so it, it, it didn't work. Trying to save at the end of the day didn't work. So, yeah, that's the whole concept of paying yourself mm-hmm. first. Just, you know, making sure that you know, money that you earn from whatever source. And um, now being an entrepreneur, I get money from various different sources. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wrote the book. I got an advance of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got my own podcast. Uh, this year, we started to have podcast sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the events that we do. So we do workshops for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coaching that we do one-to-one with women and also training you know, that we do with with women, it's different sources of income coming in. And it's just making sure that you save a portion of that. In that context, it's for the business because I'm a limited company, it's for the business. But if it was just me, you know, working for somebody, I would be making sure that I'm saving some of that money for myself to do what I want with it, whether it's building up an emergency fund, whether it is, you know, paying off debts and then, you know, building up savings or investing. Um it's kind of taking control of your finances basically Mm -hmm. and and directing it to the areas that are most important to you. That's so inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that's the practical as well to understand the different aspects of everything. Also what you do and what's possible for us, us, all of us to do as well. Uh, You mentioned, so you mentioned that one book that, you know, kind of inspired you. Are there any other authors or entrepreneurs that have inspired you along your journey? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> there is just so many. I mean, your platform is an inspiration to me. And obviously you came onto my podcast. So there is a podcast episode with Sarah as well. Um, so yeah, so, so that's an inspiration. Um, yeah, there's just so many. You know, there is, let me try and think. There's Michaela Green. She's got a book out called The Money Edit, I believe. Yeah. And that's a, a book that's come out this year. Nice. There's Melanie, um, uh, I think her name is, I can't remember her last name, but her book is called Financial Wellness and How to Find It. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. Bolasol. Her book is called, I've forgotten the name of her book, but Bolasol, she's she's on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you had Sarah. Um, Aquisombe. Yeah, Aquisombe. Yeah. She's an inspiration. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did love her book when I read it as well. Mm-hmm. Emily Billet. Her book yeah. is called, I can't remember the names of books. This is terrible. That's okay. The authors, <laughs> authors matter as well. We can yeah. always refer the names. And very often they start with money and something. So yeah, exactly. I know I always get confused as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. But yeah, there are so many um, amazing uh, kind of women and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, 
I know traditionally we don't think that money is, uh, you know, particularly creative. <laughs> and I had to shift, you know, from being uh, kind of in sales and marketing to being, you know, writing, writing books and doing podcasts and, you know, designing social media posts, you know, for companies um, had to make that shift to think, okay, it, it is, although we're talking about money, it is still, you know, we can be creative with it. We can have fun with it. It doesn't have to be, like I say, just to work hard to just to pay bills. We, we, yeah. we should be, you know, use, use it as a tool um, so that we can live our lives in the way that we want to live. I'm so sorry. Can you hear the rain? It's just started. No, I can't, but it's lovely. If I could hear it, I wish I could. I it love does. the sound of raindrops. It sounds nice, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, for the podcast. <laughs> for a podcast it's so recording. Good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you got to hear it. <laughs> um, I love asking people about the ikigai. I don't know if you're familiar with the Japanese term, yes. aka kind of your reason for living, a desire, a, a reason to wake up in the morning, get out of the bed. Could you share us your why, essentially, yes. or your reason to get up in the morning? Absolutely. So I'm just really, really excited and passionate to, um, you know, help my client base to fulfill their potential through using, you know, finances, you know, the, the financial tools and resources that we are lucky enough to have, particularly in the UK, um, in compare, you know, when we compare, you know, opportunities and wealth in other countries. Um, so I'm just really, really grateful to be able to, you know, help my clients to use what they currently have use of what they're potentially going to have in the future because our income increases over, you know over over time it does um you know hopefully we're not earning the same amount that you know at 40 and 50 as we are at 18 <laughs> when we have our first jobs so you know and, and also building generational wealth if we go on and have families you know what what, what what do we pass on? And it doesn't have, just have to be uh, kind of actual tangible money. It can also be those lessons and goals. And I love it when someone kind of reaches out to me and tells me that, you know, they've read my book and they've also handed it down to their their daughter or their niece or nephew. Um, it's, it's really, really powerful because we're creating shifts and, and creating, you know, whether it's mindset shifts to say, yes, actually, you know, I'm, I'm worthy, I'm important you know, enough to, you know, ask for this amount or yeah, I'm, I'm worthy to, to invest in myself and, and my financial well-being. I think that's really, really powerful. So that's my, my, my Aki guy. Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah. <laughs> that's my Aki guy, my reason Amazing. for getting up in the morning. And it's why we've shifted into not just doing one-to-one -one coaching, which is quite powerful, but also doing the training because we want to be able to, to allow, you know, create opportunities as well. Um, you know, opportunities to, to to help others and kind of plant a seed and it kind of spreads. <laughs> mm, that's amazing. And now if any of the listeners would like to get in touch with you in, in any way or learn more about the coaching or anything, so how could they find you and, and where? Yeah, so um, you can find us on the website and everything we do is on there. We try to keep it up to date. <laughs> um, but it's www.blackgirlfinance.co.uk and also you can... Uh, find us on instagram it's at black Gold finance uk and yeah we've we've also got a website for the festival it's www.blackgirlfinancefest.co.uk as well so that's very exciting and actually we didn't talk about the festival that much can you just share us a couple of words what is the black Girl finance festival so yeah it's it, again it's about creating that safe space to talk about money so we hosted 
the festival twice last year. We're going to host it this year as well. And it's basically bringing experts together to talk about all different aspects of personal finance. Um, the first festival we held was uh, in uh, it was ran um, in line with International Women's Day. So it was March of last year. And that was just a generic finance festival. So it spoke about, you know, savings, um, debts, uh, just, just again, the, that financial resilience piece. Mm-hmm. And then we had another festival in uh, September and it was called Black Girl Finance Festival. Uh, Black Girl Finance Fest Invest. And that was all about investing. So investing in pensions, investing in, you know, um, socioeconomic uh, kind of investing, uh, cryptocurrency, property, preparing your finances to invest, uh, investing in your business and your brand and your company. So that was more about kind of uh, the investment side of things. So um, I think this year we're going to be doing just the investing side. Um, We weren't able to do it at the beginning of this year uh, for personal reasons. But yeah, we'll be back in uh, more than likely September uh, with Black Girl Finance Festival. I can't wait. (laughs) I really want to join this year, definitely. Any final words you would like to share with us or for the listeners? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I just want you to be empowered. I just want you to to realize how kind of powerful you are, how amazing it is to be, you know, talented and creative. Um, and just don't sell yourself short. Part of that process includes the finances, the money. So just make sure you are kind of advocating for yourself and 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 be comfortable with talking about it. Be comfortable with setting your price. And even if someone cannot afford it or they say no, that's okay. There'll always be someone out there who who can, who can and, and who will appreciate kind of what you're doing and the work that you're doing and 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 the value that you place upon it so yes <laughs> that's what Amazing. that's what i'd say thank you selena so much for your time for your wisdom and for your words i think we all appreciate this so much so so yeah thank, thank you. you so much for joining us <laughs> thanks sarah thanks listeners <laughs> If you liked this episode, please review it or share it with a friend. 